Hey, Anton. Yeah, Margaret? You know what people don't talk about enough? What? How understanding Maddie is not making Felice eat. Welcome to People Don't Talk About Young Royals. I'm Margaret. My pronouns are they, them. And I'm Anton. My pronouns are he, they. And we're people here to discuss the show our friends are sick of hearing us talk about. If that sounds like you, stick around. If your friend sent you this podcast out of a desperate attempt to get you to watch Young Royals, take this as a sign. Go watch Young Royals, then come back to this podcast. Margaret, what are we talking about today? Today, we'll be having a plot discussion of Season 1, Episode 1, focusing on all other relationships that are not Wilhelm and Simon. Woohoo! Before the episode's disclaimer, a note for our listeners. As proof of concept, not only this podcast truly does undertake painstaking dissections, but also that, as we said in our trailer, the discussion potential of Young Royals is practically limitless. Editing Anton has a cheeky little update for you. The amount of released podcast material as of publishing the previous episode, The Art of the Choice, in praise of nuance, has surpassed the runtime of season one of the show. <laughs> Wait, has it really? Yes, it has. <laughs> I double-checked my math. Oh my god. I will say, as, it, as, as, a, as a clarifier, I am, I am measuring the, the what Spotify lists as, like, the... Or, or I'm listing what Spotify for podcasters lists as the length of our episodes. And for Young Royals, I didn't look at the, time, the ending timestamp of every episode, but the number of minutes that Netflix lists in the, in the, in the thing... Um, uh, but I'm assuming they're close enough that it's 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 good. I mean, also we've well passed it. Um, Damn. All right. Yeah. yeah. More 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 on that to come. This is the the first cheeky, cheeky little update of many. <laughs> uh, but now to the disclaimer. In this discussion, we won't be summarizing the plot of the episode because we already did that. If you want or need a refresher, head back four episodes in our feed to our most recent This Week at Halerska for a full breakdown. This episode discussion will likely be all over the place, so strap in. You have been warned. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is that conversation between Felice and Maddie after Felice is done doing her thing to... <laughs> you can tell which one of us is asexual. Uh... <laughs> Uh, and Maddie, they have that conversation about the royal family. Maddie doesn't get it. And then Felice, like, they're going to get ready for dinner, but Felice is just like, I'm not hungry. And Maddie does not force her to go. And I want to talk about that because I think that's very supportive. I think that it's, like, probably one of the worst things when you're struggling with something is for somebody to tell you to just do it anyways and her not doing it i think shows like a level of understanding of what felice is experiencing i will i will ask simply because i think you can read it either way mm-hmm. and i kind of have a different of diff, watching a different a different watching the episode at different points is maddie i think you can read it either way that either Maddie knows what Felice is going through uh, and is choosing not to press it, or, like we mentioned last episode, Felice is really good at putting up a front and hiding it, and Maddie actually can't tell. 
I think I think you're right. I think you can read it either way. The way I've always read it is she knows and isn't pressing it. Because which is funny because I've I've actually read it the other way. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, let's not psychoanalyze too much what that top, what that means about both of us. But um, I think because partially because I think as I alluded to this episode, I'm pretty sure this was my point. Like when when comparing Felice and Wilhelm. Uh, they are similar characters, but yeah. Felice is actually much more convincing yes. in her in the front she front she gives to other people. And I think potentially, I think it's because maybe it's because I've revisited this episode by watching it myself less than you have, and so I, I feel like I'm stuck with a lot of my first my first watch through impressions mm-hmm. um, in in a lot of ways, despite by despite the amount of times amount of time I've engaged with the show, and so therefore like without knowing really who Maddie is as a person. Like, she's cool, um, but without any future episode context. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagined that the purpose of that scene was to illustrate how people at Hilerska do not engage with each other in that way. Yeah. Um, I think I have this, I have, I have this referenced. I mostly bring, I mostly bring this up in my notes when it comes to uh, August's relationships but like people at Halerska while close there's certain things they just don't talk about yeah there's like a distance yeah yeah like I I would say like case in point with like the everything about Wilhelm's experiences there but like yeah and I agree with you but I feel like when you live with somebody it's so difficult to have that distance because whether it's intentional or not it's like you're in each other's business you know yeah and like there's only so many fronts you can put up and while fleece is a lot more convincing than a lot of the other characters there are times where they do have to come down eventually yeah and i think to play devil's advocate with myself like looking at looking at my looking at my notes um the first thing I have is, and they were roommates. No, but seriously, I see nothing <laughs> sapphic here. Um, <laughs> disclaimer: I, I at least don't f- ship Felice and Maddie. <laughs> disclaimer: Me neither. Okay. Um, I don't even know how many there are. There, there are there, but like, I just, I saw, any? I saw that, and they were roommates, and I couldn't resist. Um, no, basically, um, what I wrote was after that was I get the feeling that Maddie sort of deals with Felice's bullshit, and by with that, but with by with that I mean I'm not saying that Felice is an awful friend, but it's just that we don't really see her asking about Maddie. Uh, like it's and it's that's kind of a limitation of Maddie and Felice's role in mm-hmm. the story at this point. Yeah. Um, like Maddie is introduced basically solely as Felice's roommate. Um, and like, doesn't get fleshed out much beyond that. Yeah. Um, and so like, we see a situation where two people are talking, but it's only about the other person. And so with that, when that is your snapshot of this relationship, I sort of just kind of got the impression that it's kind of either sort of. And like this is really an unfair impression, I think, of of take of of like trying to summarize an entire relationship in a single scene. But it's kind of like the purpose of the storytelling in this way. So yeah. like, without the without the ability to give exposition like you would in a book, 
all I have to go on is this conversation where it was only actually about Felice. Um, Yeah. And I think that very purposefully leaves enough up to whoever is watching it to kind of interpret whatever way they see it. Um, Whether that was, you know, in the director's and the writer's, like, intention or not, I think it leaves a level of interpretation open to whoever's watching it. Yeah, and so you can either th- I- either say, oh, Felice's self-centered, um, and then, like, oh, but you could also say Maddie is, is secretive or more reserved, or mm-hmm. just or is just kind of the kind of person who doesn't like talking about herself um, and, and and is more about helping other people. Yeah. And so there's so many ways you can read that scene. And I think kind of the way you read that scene is going to depend on whether whether or not you think Maddie realizes that Felice has disordered eating. Yes. 100%. Um, I fully agree. Which, to be fair, is not confirmed by the show, but like is heavily implied by that scene, I yeah. think. Um or at least by our reading of the scene. So we're, we're kind of just sticking with that. That's at least our headcanon um, for up to this up to this point. Um, I think I also, as much as we don't love talking about it, we do need to talk about the not washing of the hands because what I think it illustrates, as much as people are so weirded out by it, and I understand it, to be honest, and I don't, I think this is the, I, I think 100% this is me being AMAB. Okay. But I, until I saw, I think even the, even though, even though the first reactor, I think I saw react, re- react to that scene was a, is, is a gay man. I didn't recognize that that was weird that she touched her hair until I saw a reactor react to it. Interesting. Which I don't want listeners to think that means anything gross about me, <laughs> but like I think that just means that like as a as a bisexual man with very little experience with female anatomy, I didn't know the logistics. Okay, fair. Necess- I, well, you do like in theory, yeah, yeah, in yeah. theory, but like I didn't know the practical not, not the logistics. I didn't know the practicalities of of. AMAB masturbation. AFAB yeah. masturbation. So, like, I... Like, I get yeah. it now. Okay? <laughs> I get it now. I get it now. But, basically, even after that, maybe, like I said, first first episode, first watch through impressions kind of coloring my view, my semi-hot take... Let's hear it. ...is, like, I am not, I am not as grossed out about it as by other people, probably because I have less context for it. But... I think it's meant to illustrate that they, how comfortable they are with each other. Yeah. And I think just that scene in general is meant to show that Felice is comfortable enough to masturbate in their shared living space, but also not enough to be embar- to not be embarrassed about it. Yeah. Which so it's not a weird level of, of comfortable. Right. Yeah. Or like an un- or like a like a boundaryless sort of uncomfortable, but I also feel that she is more embarrassed of who slash what she was masturbating to than that she was masturbating. I would agree with that, which I do kind of appreciate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's something to be embarrassed about by masturbating. Yeah, and and Maddie doesn't 
and Maddie doesn't call about call her out about it like no. that. Which no, I think she's is also just like, really hey, I wasn't the one watching porn. It's, exactly. You know. Exactly. Like she's not shaming her for well, it's really it's a honestly really fun interaction. Um like we don't want to spend too much time in these characters because they don't factor too much into the plot. They get we get one scene of them together. But like just the fact that she, Maddie didn't react being being like you you're masturbating. She only called her out about it when when Felice said "you Maddie" when she says <laughs> "is royal dick better than regular?" Like, <laughs> yeah. like she she's she like in that sense, like regardless of how we want to interpret Maddie and Felice's relationship at this point, Maddie's interest is a person who will is capable of calling Felice out on her bullshit, which is. <laughs> Which, as much as I say that she kind of just, like, deals with Felice's issues and, like, doesn't really seem to have a voice of her own in this scene, she at least is, has, has a clear personality there. Which, so she's not a totally a cover character. Which is, like, again, props to the writing of the show for giving us a character who has has literally one scene in the first episode and we know who she is. Um, (laughs) She wants to know if Royal Dick is better than regular Dick. Yes. It also helps that, like, Maddie isn't getting, her, getting her, her, her own podcast episode for this episode, so I just want to quick shout out the amount of reactors who either don't... Like, I'm I'm really glad when they don't comment on it, because it started, it started to get annoying, but the amount of reactors who are like, wait, is she speaking English? <laughs> Halfway through the scene. <laughs> Can I tell you a secret? What? When I pull something up on Netflix that's speaking in English, I get confused. <laughs> and that's like, on watching too much young royals well there's no nothing there's, no, there's no such thing as too much young royals but yeah like i was watching like outer banks over the weekend and i was like wait why are they speaking in english any one of our listeners who maybe is what maybe one of like one of the real ones like watching along with us or like just like hasn't chosen to look up look it up um my like I think we've actually talked about that. We've only talked this about this off mic, and I don't know if it's actually been confirmed. But my headcanon is that Maddie is the like son of an American businessman, yeah, uh, or like a business person um, who has been sent to a Swedish boarding school, yeah, probably because one of her parents is Swedish. Um, that would be my head. I think I adopted that headcanon as well. Yeah, because she has at least been she has at least been raised in America. You can tell from her her accent, mm-hmm. but she is going to Sweden. And so, and English is. And she understands Swedish. She under, but she understands Swedish, but she also doesn't speak Swedish, like or like doesn't yeah. chooses not to speak Swedish around other people, which gives me the impression that it's not her first language, obviously. Yeah. Um, like I could tell that from her accent, but like, like the way that she interacts with people is indica- indicative of someone who understands the language, but like d- is not comfortable enough in it to decide to speak it. Yeah. Which I think okay. is really great, really cool representation for. Yeah. And something that, like, knowing Lisa, she probably read about and was like, I'm including a character like that. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Lisa. Yeah. Okay. Um, but should we move on to Felice's other relationship that I have that I have marked? Yes. No, we can go to her other relationships. So, August and Felice. August is very, like, obviously trying to pursue Felice. Like, in the church, he's like, I'm going to marry that girl. And then he says that gross thing, and Eric laughs. 
And then in the party scene, he keeps trying to dance with Felice, but Felice just keeps pushing him away. Um, which, I don't know, I think that's interesting that Felice is like, no, get the fuck out of here. And August just never catches the hint. Um, which, honestly, he can't swallow his pride enough to catch the hint, so that shouldn't be shocking, but it's still something to note. Question. Do you think August actually likes Felice, or do you think he likes the idea of Felice? I mean, my first note is Felice has the ultimate status symbol. Yeah. I think it can't be anything other than either that or both because of who August is as a person, frankly. Like, we see so much evidence. Like, the first thing he lists about her is who her family is. Mm -hmm. He lists nothing else about her that he finds appealing or attractive yeah he's just like felice modern nobility yeah it's like Im- probably implied that he finds her physically attractive but he never says that which is like really honestly odd for a straight male i'm gonna say it like to not go straight to aesthetics you have yeah. to be a special kind of straight male and august is a special kind of straight male the kind the for whom kind. status and like, the fact that she is modern nobility, like, stacks higher in attractiveness. Yeah. Although, to be fair, Felice is the same way. Yeah, Wilhelm. she is. Uh, But somehow it's less insufferable from her. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'll say it. <laughs> no, I don't think calling August insufferable is a hot take. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, speaking of which. But, oh, I mean, maybe it's not a speaking of which, but... There's the heavy implication from Eric that August sleeps around. Yeah. And the additional implication that Felice would make him more favorable towards monogamy. That's almost more more on his part than on Eric's part, because Eric seems maybe slightly dubious. So, like, and also, I will say, um, when we get to August and Eric later, I might, this might kind of come up again, but like, I, we don't exactly know how long it's been since Eric saw August. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be as much as two years. Um, and so... Yeah, I get the vibe it's been a while. Yeah. Like, doing the math, I'll bring it up later, but, like, they're two years older. So, Eric is two, year mm-hmm. old, two, 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 two years older than August. So, it, like, he might not have seen him since he graduated school. Um, and so, he could be talking about yeah. first year August. For all we know. That's true. I didn't think yeah. about that. Um, I think it's it's possible. I have no proof for this. But third year August cares too much about his responsibilities to actually sleep around anymore. Yeah. We, like, we don't... Evidence isn't the right word. But we don't see any sign. Any... Like, there's no vibe that he is somebody who sleeps around. He very clearly, at least in my opinion, is really only going after, lusting for, however you want to say it, Felice. Like, he is fully yes. focused. By this point in the story, he is very much, like, Felice focused. He's Felice sexual. Yeah. <laughs> um, Honestly, that's the one thing I can't blame him for. <laughs> um, 
and I, w- I do want to have, this is not a disclaimer like we usually do disclaimers, but like, I want to say that I'm not saying there's anything wrong with casual sex or polyamory or anything of the no. like. Uh, and if August is polyamorous, good for him. More power to him, I guess. It's the only time I'd ever stand. Yeah. Um, but like, like I am not personally, I am not personally polyamorous, but I am not going to judge people who do it with absolutely not. That is their business. The full me. consent of all parties. So, um, absolutely. That being said, nothing I've said matters in this case because Felice is two years under than him, and he literally admits that he's trying to use her insecurities to get her to date him. Yep. So he sucks. August is trash, and we'll be the first to say it. We're not the first to say it. <laughs> I don't think we're the first to say it. We're going to have the bold take of saying that we hate August Horan. Yeah. I think we can go on record. I don't. This is an anti-August Horan podcast. That's actually what the rest of this podcast is going to be. Not just this episode, but every episode. Um, we have a whole... We have... We're we literally... Stay tuned for an entire episode of us roasting August. That is... Coming, I can't wait. That's going to be my favorite one. It record. is coming in. I can't do math right now, but it is. I'm not going to try to try. It's coming before we start the yes. next cycle. <laughs> we, he's getting in his own episode this cycle. Um, um, because he sucks. But with August out of the way, I guess now the only person left to talk about is Felice and Sarah. Oh, boy. Um, So we start off. With them really not liking each other. <laughs> well, Sarah isn't different, um, honestly. Like, but, like, okay, question. Do you think the opening stable scene is an example of classism? Or is Felicia's having a bad day um, and would, like, treat anyone like that? I read it as Felicia's having, like, a bad day. See, I think a little um, column A, a little column B. Like, I can't totally say that Felice isn't being classes in that moment. I think, okay. Hear me out. Yeah. I, I look at it as she's having a bad day, but that doesn't take the classism off the table. It could, because, you know, she's been born and raised in this, like, you know, Maddie, she says, like, you're the richest family in sweden so if you've been born and raised in that environment i think it's almost a given that you're gonna have some sort of like implicit bias implicit classism yeah i mean it's not going to be a conscious choice because bias rarely ever is like literally right i would i can think of very few homophobes in this world who are like i'm gonna choose to be homophobic right now (laughs) like it (laughs) yeah like same with classism, especially the kind of the kind of really like unconscious classism like this like I'm talking about I think here is mm-hmm. what I'm what is happening I think is that Sarah is in a prescri- is in a role that Felice is very comfortable with but mm-hmm. but has a very prescribed way and learned way of interacting with which is she is the help. Yes. She yeah. She she is a like she is a to use a very dated term, but like one that I feel like some people here would actually use. She's a servant. Yeah. Uh, like the fact that she recognizes that she is like in her same grade and in her classes probably barely factors. Um, 
into yeah. how she's going to handle an interaction, especially when she is that emotionally charged and, be- and yes. being- beating herself up that severely. Like, I think we have the capability generally to be less, to, to fall prey to our unconscious biases less when we are in a better emotional state. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. That I would 100% agree with. Like, I do not um, think Felice yeah. has tons of classes tendencies, honestly. No. Like, we don't, like, other than her, like, obsession with, like, status and, uh, like, appearance, um, which, again, we've shown our so, we've, I think we've proven at this point, are so ingrained just to be definitely just learned behavior. Um yeah. Uh like a long time ago learned behavior. But like I think that the fact that Felice is shown to feel bad about it, that interaction. Um I mean, we talked about it um I believe in Art of the Frame uh or either Art of the Frame or Art of the Choice. Uh but like that does a lot for me as her like as like the proper introduction of her character to not make me immediately hate her as much as I hate August. Yeah. Because she shows some, like, form of remorse for what she, like, how she's behaved. Yes. It is a recognized form. It's, like, it's, it's, that is the point at which I can say, like, yeah, um, it is a level of unconscious bias that Felice is, like, semi-guilty about, slash, like, semi-aware of, um, at least to the degree that she's like, I shouldn't have at least acted that badly. Um, I don't know if, like, generally, like, treating Sarah like a servant at this point, like, is a thing that she would take, like, a real issue with because, like, knowing the mentality of privileged people, like, they're like, well, what? What's wrong with that? They are a servant. Like, yeah. Yeah. But because then you have... Sarah, who guessed more about true, Felice's true motivations for her actions than Felice, I think, is aware of. Because, like, again, Felice is a person who is doing a really good job of convincing basically everyone else around her that her life is perfect. And yet, Sarah knows it's not about her. Right. And that makes me think that one, this obviously isn't the first time Felice has probably walked in after Sarah's had to ride Rousseau frustrated and mean. Yeah. So I, but I think, and I think that has given Sarah, I'm kind of, I kind of just realized as prepping for this episode, that has given her unprecedented access to Felice at her most vulnerable, I think, because yeah. there's something that we haven't gotten to yet in the series about this horse that, seriously messes with her head yes and sarah is the only one with an actual like intimate view of what that is doing to her Um, right because also i mean this is something that is often said about this quote-unquote servant class generally is that a lot of times because they are ignored to just completely invisible at the worst by a lot of Rich pe- but by a lot of rich people, they have an inside look that most people don't have. Right. And so I feel like in that way, Felice is disguising her true emotions less for Sarah than she is for for her friends. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, 
because whether like consciously or not she likely views everybody else at that school like these are people that I may potentially have to work with in the future these are people that need to like me I at least need to have a transactional relationship with she doesn't see that for Sarah no at least not in the first episode no in this episode she does not and really you really get into this situation where you start like I don't want to get too much into what the show is saying about class and privilege because we have an episode about that um but more broadly like rich people don't see interactions with a quote-unquote servant as anything that will exist beyond that interaction right if they're not a servant who is like even any and in some cases even if they are a servant who like has been them with them for a long time or like they will see daily yeah like it takes a lot and mm-hmm. a special type of mindset and reason to actually like form close bonds which i think leads us into the party scene yes and just that whole interaction between Felice and Sarah that we get at the end of the episode. The the episode. Yeah. Um, what do you think Felice means when she calls Sarah special? Different than everybody else at that school. I don't think she means it the way... I don't think... So when she says that Sarah just like lists off her diagnoses, I don't think that's the way Felice meant it. Me neither. Um... I think she just meant it as like you're not bothered by the pol- like by the politics by the drama of this school. Like you're you're different than everybody else or at least you don't seem to be bothered by that stuff. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the rest of the students it seems like it's kind of like a popularity contest all the time. Yeah. And Sarah doesn't appear to be bothered by that. I've seen criticism of Yamorel is actually as a show um, that posits that like it falls into a trap of glamorizing the poor or the middle or like the middle class um, uh, and kind of basically just saying that like they're just like so much better morally. Um, And so therefore it's a good thing that there is there is class disparity because being poor has benefits or whatever um i don't agree with that that criticism of young royals um i don't think i do either um no i don't i don't agree with that criticism no um for many nuanced reasons that we will probably encounter throughout this, throughout this entire this this podcast episode and this entire podcast in general but points at which i can get a little inroad in to how with the right perspective you could see that is the fact that there are so many rich people in this show and so few poor people that like when they say that sarah is special like they don't mean it and they don't mean it in the context of her 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 autism and her adhd even though that's how sarah takes it and even with felice meaning it what I really think meaningfully what is happening there is that 
she's encountering a ideology and mindset that she's never been exposed to before. Yes. And she's seeing the benefits of living that type of life. Um, yes. And, like, I don't think it goes as far as, like, broad statement about Sarah's class necessarily. Right. But I think it invokes this sense of, like, yes, Sarah and Simon are both different. And yeah. in this case, that is something that Felice enjoys about Sarah. And that mm -hmm. in her kind of inhibition-lowered state, that's what that's what comes out. Is yes. this realization of Sarah's otherness in a way that Sarah doesn't interpret the way Felice intends it pretty clearly. Um, which... I think, and this is maybe just with knowledge of what comes next, like, is significant moving forward. Yes, that's not how Sarah I takes agree. it. Um, and that that conversation isn't had the way Felice meant it, because Felice probably wouldn't want to have that conversation. Right. Yeah, I can kind of see that criticism, but only if you're looking at the show, like, at a very, like, overarching view. Yeah, like once you get down to like every episode, that do it doesn't really stack up. But yeah, because the show is very nuanced, which is a common theme. <laughs> it's an argument you can make. Yes, with a soup, a more, and this isn't a total dig on that person. I won't name the video essay I got this idea from because <laughs> I like a lot. I like a lot of their other content, um, but I think I personally believe. And this could be, we could be biased as fans of this show, <laughs> but that's a more superficial reading than we are taking with this podcast. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. At a far more granular level of weighing the dialogue and the acting choices throughout the show, yeah. the closer you zoom in, the more complex the show gets. Yes. It's the whole reason why we already surpassed the length of season one talking about it. Oh no. Are we going to have to have multiple parts to this episode? I think yeah. we are. Oh shit. <laughs> so, Sarah thinks the fleece is pretty. I want to address the sapphic potential of this. But I do not see it beyond the first episode. I don't either. But I I do want to address that it is sort of there. We want to acknowledge the shippers who still ship them. Yeah. But sorry to all of you Sarah and Felice shippers out there. We personally can't stand past this episode. Yeah. And that one scene, honestly. Yeah, and like, I don't see it anywhere else besides that one scene. Like, I mean, there's like there are some people, a lot, there are reactors who watch this episode, especially queer female reactors, who are like, "Are we getting sapphic horse girls?" Um, <laughs> and then, and then they get their hopes up. Yeah, yeah. Fun fact: I was I'm a sapphic horse girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll decide if it makes sense to add that add that you're a horse girl. Horse girl. <laughs> well, you're not even a, even a girl though, so it's. Well. No, but I was. 
when I was a horse girl. <laughs> That's right. That's fair. Okay. Or at um, least I thought it was. That's more accurate. Fleece comes around pretty quick to thinking of Sarah as cool. Granted, she is drunk. Um, but, like, she's at least grateful that there's someone there to help her while she's throwing up. And she isn't dismissive past the point of, like, she is nice to Sarah to an extent that she isn't totally valuing her own ego the way August would. Yeah. I'd agree with that. She can kind of, she can admit when she's wrong about something and about someone. Yeah. Um, And honestly, again, though, I do think it comes back to her potentially being more comfortable being herself around Sarah because of what we've talked about. Yeah. In the section. Um, Like, I honestly don't know if that scene with Sarah would have happened if Sarah was anybody else. Right. Probably not. To be honest. That in and of itself is interesting. All right. So we just talked about Sarah. Let's transition to Simone and Sarah. I, okay, it's obvious that they're, like, really close. Um, Like, we, like, Simon sticks up for Sarah, you know, when we have that scene where Felice is being rude to Sarah and Simon's like, she shouldn't treat you like that. Um, I also, I don't think Simon understands her want to fit in. I don't know if Sarah quite knows that she wants to fit in yet, but she does in the sense of like she you know asks her mom to sit up she says that thing about the riding pants yeah if all of the flags that we pointed out in art of the choice weren't enough for you spoiler (laughs) alert sarah wants to fit in um but she doesn't it doesn't come across that way like when she's in school yeah i would i would agree just to what you said so far I said they're close as far as siblings, like as far as siblings go, like they're pretty close. Um, yeah. Like Sarah is older, but she's repeating mm-hmm. a grade, making Simon her in the same year. Yep. Um, I think that is a factor that I forget sometimes, mm-hmm. but I think it's important because sometimes it's really easy for people to kind of just act like Simon and Sarah are twins when they're not. Sarah's yeah. older. Right. And she had to repeat the grade she is currently in. Yes. Yes. Because of bullying at her old school, which I think is why Simon is protective of her. Yes. Yeah. That's my next point. Simon is protective and concerned about Sarah. You're good. Don't be, don't be sorry for making the conversation more natural. Um, (laughs) uh, So I think that Sarah kind of resents Simon for his protectiveness. I don't know. think that's that that that's that much of a hot take. I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like literally, like drop out if you want to, but I'm not repeating a grade again. Mm-hmm. I think that's almost a direct quote. Like I, yeah, um, yeah. like that is passive aggressive as hell. Like yeah, um, I would agree with that. But I don't think it's passive aggressive. But there's no significant strain on their relationship. Simon kind of lets it, like, roll off his back. He's like, okay. And then they just get on the bus. Yeah. Um, I wrote down that they have wildly different takes on rich people bullshit. (laughs) 
that they do. Uh, which, and like wildly different approaches of attending Halershka, like Sarah is thinking of it as a way of trying to fit in, whereas Simon uses sees it as stupid, snobbish, and a trap. Yeah. Like the way that they associate with the like, like social markers of being rich are distinctly different. Mm-hmm. The, the, I mean, the dinner scene proves that very succinct, succinctly. Um, yeah. There's a scene at the Erickson's house, to be fair. There's two dinner scenes. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I guess I don't really have much to say beyond that. Like, it, yeah. At least within this episode, like, it's just some interesting two notes that, like, we've talked extensively about Simon's whole deal with rich people bullshit. Um, but to talk a little bit about Sarah, like we have have thus far, like she sees it as a possible way of like not to speak too much to my thoughts on Sarah, but like she sees it as a way that she can do be more than just ignored. Yeah. Like the, mo- the, be- the most positive thing she says about Hilarishka in this episode is at least people don't bother me here. Yep. But I think now that she's gotten to that point, that that much isn't good good enough for her anymore. Right. Now she's like, I want to actually belong here. Yes. Um, And to be fair, this is all subtext. We're technically kind of reading ahead. But like, I think the trajectory of the show is pretty clear. So. Yeah. Um, and also, their experiences at Hilarska are very different, because she's like, nobody bothers me here, whereas Simon, on the other hand, it's very clear that a lot of people have bothered him. Which, actually, that goes to the next point pretty nicely that I have. I'm a fucking wizard. Going from Simon to Simon and the border students in general. Um, like... This isn't a relationship between specific a specific character and Simon, but just like Simon's relationship to the school, which we've talked about pretty mm-hmm. extensively, so we don't want to talk about it too much. But I want to argue, push back a little bit against what you've said, because mm-hmm. I think there's not much difference between how Simon and Sarah would be treated if Simon acted the way Sarah did. Yes. No, I agree with that. Simon's, the way people treat Simon is very clearly based on his nickname of socialist boy or socialist guy, um, a reaction to the way that he interacts with rich people bullshit. Oh, yeah, 100%. Which, that is, and and again, that is just kind of reinforced their already existing attitudes, where... Yes. Where Sarah has made the the decision to interact with it in a way that is conforming, and Simon Mm -hmm. is resistant. Um, Yes. And one of those has clearly gotten a better response, and so... so, (laughs) drop looking back a little bit like sarah was sarah's like why aren't you doing that and he's like because it's stupid um and you're being a snob um yeah she unlike simon tries to assimilate in a lot of ways yeah that simon very clearly uh does not yeah i think that simon is stepping back i think that the school's general perception of simon could be seen through Nils and Vincent. Yep. But do we think they're representative of the student body as a whole in that scene? 
I think they may be representative of the vocal part of the student body. Do I think that every single student sees Simon as somebody who shouldn't be there or shouldn't, you know, voice these things? No, because that's kind of impractical. But the people who have a a pull and a voice in the student body, I think do, because they're likely the people who are the most embedded in this like wealthy one percent yeah or like they're the third years who have been yeah. are most the most entrenched in the culture um yes so yeah i think simon is invisible um or for other for some people his big mouth has tipped the scales and making him genuinely genu- genuinely unpopular yeah like he already had wise had a school-wide reputation centered around his leftist political beliefs which honestly is my goal in life He's been there a month. Like, yeah. one of my favorite things to think about related to Simon in the time before the show starts, yeah, is what is what what is the what is the first thing he opens up opens up his mouth about? I hope it was something in like whatever that class was. That I think it's philosophy. We got the welfare. Yeah, yeah. we got the welfare scam quote from. I hope it was something in that class where he was just like, and said something that was. A very leftist ideal. That's my dream. Yeah. Um, and like, I think that the fact that he's tempted to leave and go back to Mariburg after only a month is something that like I'm fixating on because I forgot about it so completely. Um, mm-hmm. Well, because it's just so quickly mentioned. Yeah, and by and not by him. Nevertheless, like it, it clearly has been discussion that him and Sarah have had. But he doesn't bring it up in that first interaction because that interaction is mostly about Sarah. And so they, so the conversations that they have, they've had before are just left implied. Like, the fact that, I don't know, his whole demeanor at the school, like, the fact that a detail that I honestly, I can't remember if I brought this up in uh, my in our summary episode, Um and I might have wanted to wait, wait, wait until our final episode about symbols to to talk about this, but it fits in so perfectly here. I don't know if you ever noticed, but the key that Simon uses to open to to lock his locker has a keychain on it of a of a of a of a middle finger. Mm-hmm. I love that part. And I actually didn't fully put together what that detail means until right now. Mm-hmm. He hates this school. Yeah, he does. He's literally flipping off his locker every single yeah. time he opens it. Yeah. And everybody who's walking past him as he opens his locker. Yeah. 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 Also, uh, the fact, an, a detail that I I literally heard from a reactor notice for the first time, like yesterday. He, when he is interacting with August, and which is also the same shirt he was wearing in Welfare Receivers, he's wearing, mm-hmm. I think it's like a slogan of something, like a, I think it's like a Nike shirt or something, but, it's, but it literally says, every damn day. Shit. Like. God damn. It's. I never noticed that before. Yeah, neither did I, until someone pointed it out, that I, in, in one of something I was watching, and I was like, wow. Damn. Yeah. I, that- there's, there's someone who posted an episode on Reaction like four weeks ago that finally came up on my YouTube dashboard so shit yeah and that's like i think that really kind of summarizes his um Mm -hmm. experience yeah because it sucks every damn day for him every damn day 
Every damn day. All right. Let us talk about Simon with his friends. Ayub and Rush. Because yes. I kind of I grouped them together. I don't know if you did too. Yeah, I um, did. Uh I see them as his connection to what he's left behind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We we don't see a ton of them besides the bus scene, but something that I wanna point out is how much Ayub like looks out for Simon. It's like when they're playing video games and Simon's like, hey, did you use my dad as your like way to get alcohol for, was it Midsummer's? Whatever party it was. Midsummer, yeah. It's, yeah, it's Midsummer. Holiday, holiday in Sweden. Yes. Um, sorry, yes, the holiday. Um, yeah, he's like, yeah, sorry. And then he Simon tells him like what the deal was. I get mm-hmm. alcohol for this party and I get to bring Sarah. Um yeah. And he says, just don't go to your dad. You always get depressed when you see him. And something I do want to say, though, is that for as much as I definitely agree that Ayub is, and probably Rosh, to to some extent, although Ayub and, Ayub and Simon maybe seem slightly closer. I, I That's based on only this episode, honestly, though. Um, yeah. I think that Ayub is more intimately, as much as he is intimately familiar with Simon's life in Bjarstad. Mm-hmm. He and Rosh are so clearly disconnected from yep. the world of Hilerska. Oh, they have no clue. I think they are disinterested enough yes. to not even know more than a month in whether or not Simon wears his uniform every day. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about that point, but yeah, absolutely. Like, I think about that every time I rewatch the episode now of... Ayub having to ask. Yeah, that's true. Like I, I never gave that specific like part too much thought. Yeah, and like the cynical answer is that it's not well thought out, well thought enough, well thought out enough writing, considering that he's been there a month for them to ask it. But I think I'm going to make it a deliberate character choice because I believe in Lisa. I always believe in Lisa. And the fact that. They are so disconnected from it that they haven't even noticed. Yeah. They don't notice until something's different. And he's like, yeah. wait, do you have to re- wear a uniform every day? Like, I guess, yeah. giving them the benefit of the doubt, like, they might think that he changes before he leaves school every day. God, that would be such a pain in the ass. It would. Like, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a great benefit of the doubt, but, like, <laughs> that's, also, that's also kind of even giving Lisa the benefit of the doubt to not make Ayub actually, like, Ayub and Rosh actually... I won't say I won't say it's a totally dumb question, but like, yeah, I can kind of see them not noticing until something is different because I just noticed that one of my close friends got her nose pierced, and um, turns out she got her nose pierced last June. You know, so valid, 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 valid. <laughs> um, okay, one last thing I want to talk about, and I think we've mentioned this before, but not in the context of this relationship. So I want to make this distinction. Yeah, let's go. I think that. Between Ivan Rosh and Simon, mm-hmm. I think they all think that the royal family is dumb in general and fun to laugh at. That's for this episode, but I don't think that Ivan Rosh necessarily see the royals as a social drain, like Simon. Yeah, does I think? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I don't think I don't think they think about it politically like Simon does. No, I yeah no I fully agree. I think they are just like, haha, look at this kid who fucked up again, who has everything. Um. And Simon's like, no, this is like a, like, he hates the institution for political reason, not yeah. because it gives him, like, a somebody to laugh at. 
No, yeah. Which is, does, honestly, it kind of makes me think how how Simon developed his politics, but I think I have a theory about that, la- that later. Stay tuned. I'm also staying tuned. I want to hear this. Well, first we got to talk about Ayub and Rosh's relationship with each other. Okay. Because it's, it's kind of a closed loop here. Um, but I do want to talk about, basically all I have to say about this is they definitely have a friendship of their own outside of Simon. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but he, I think he like completes the trio. At least that's the feeling I get. Um, and also something yeah. that's well, well, that we need to, I think I want to remember going forward because it's like, again, because of when the show starts, I forget about it. Simon would have only recently not been in their lives constantly. Right. Like he is still very much like Simon is still fully in the orbit of Bjarstad. Mm-hmm. Like he's only been at Hilarska for a month and like. He's lived in that town his entire life. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and probably considering how, how well Ayub's mom and Linda know each other. I, he, at least he and Ayub have been friends for forever. Yeah, I mean, I was even in the um... dinner scene. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're good. No, yeah. So that's just something I want to flag for the future. Um, is like, I've been Russia very disconnected, and they, but they've also only like known their 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 new normal of Simon going to Halerska is still new for them. Right. So, yeah, hundred percent. Now leaving you in suspense i think that simon got his politics from his mother yeah i'd agree like i think linda is less strong in her opinions she's more worried about at least around sarah wanting to like not offend her yeah but she speaks enough politics Mm -hmm. just in the way that she says things and the little phrases that she says yeah and i think Simon's at least like heard what his mother has said, and I think he maybe maybe has then taken taken a few steps farther. Yeah, <laughs> I think we can agree that he's definitely taken it a few steps farther than Linda. Yeah, but ain't that like Gen Z? Yeah, but also I would I would totally discount Linda as not being. No, a I wouldn't either. I don't. I just think that I think that she doesn't. She is less inclined to fight for it. I think. Yeah. Like she's she she is, I mean I don't want to say this is a bad thing, but she is more willing to compromise. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, I mean compromise or, is sort of how anything or, happens, or, or like in either like in either direction. Like I'm not saying yeah. it's bad that Simon doesn't compromise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like Linda also seems concerned with doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. She's clearly the source of Simon's morals. If not yes. his politics, his morals and his, po- his definitely his, his her morals. Mor- her morals led to his politics. If it if it if we it know were, his morals didn't come from Mecca. Yes, um, <laughs> but like if I'll drag him until the day I die. Yeah, like drag if Mecca. Yes, like if you don't buy our take that Linda is as political as Simon or has the same politics as Simon, she at the very least like has a lot of the same sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Like that little, that subtle detail of the fact that Simon and her are the only ones who really speak Spanish to each other in that scene. Yeah. Like in a lot of ways, I don't want to speculate too much. Based on just similarities, Simon seems more like his mother. Yeah. Which potentially leaves the open question that I don't want to touch. And I don't think we can touch probably ever without getting really speculative. But like, is 
Sarah more like Mika then? That's what I was just about to ask. <laughs> like, because Sarah isn't very much like Linda, and I don't want to, and and like, I think it would be reductive of us to say that it's just the fact that he's that she's autistic. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I don't think we can say that. No, because just simply like. Sarah, Sarah having autism has nothing to do with her wanting to conform. Right. Like, not directly. Yeah. Like, that is just who she is as a person. Yeah. And, I don't know, the little we get of Mika in this episode, like, he is, we talked last, we talked last episode about, pretty extensively about how, like, he clearly has some, like, nor, norm, normative thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, And, like, Simon's out to Sarah and everything, and she seems totally fine with it. But like, so, like Mick is also fine with it. I think it would make sense that Sarah has internalized fitting in the way that Simon has internalized from his mother, like standing out. Honestly, yeah. Like the power, at least the power of standing out, because yeah. he has. There's an implied history here, considering who and where Mika is. Linda was not in a place to take care of herself for a lot of Simon's life. So Simon took care of her. Yeah. And that's something that I want to mention between Simon and Linda's relationship is he looks out for his mom's feelings a lot. And we see that in the dinner scene. And I think he also works to bridge the gap between his mother and Sarah. Um, Just... See, I see it as Linda bridging the gap between Simon and Sarah. Interesting. In some ways. Okay. Like the like she I do think maybe because maybe part that might be partially because I had to write basically all the dialogue in that scene down, but like she acts as referee like twice. That's true. She does. Like she she she's when uh Si- that scene that I keep mentioning because it's a great bit of improv where like Simon is chewing loudly and then like <laughs> chews louder when Simon asked, Sarah yeah. asked him to stop. Um, like Linda is the one to go, Simon, por favor. Like it's just like that was an Ital- that was a te- that was a terrible Spanish accent. Okay. I'm a Spanish minor, I swear. <laughs> I haven't I just haven't spoken in a while. <laughs> it's not Italian, anyways. Uh, but like, if you hadn't pointed it out, I wouldn't have noticed. I took German. I know it's it's the. It's the it's, shout out to the listeners. Regardless, shout out to the listeners. If you speak Spanish, that was fine, right? Don't ask. Don't tell me. Don't answer that. Um, uh, In the comments, but, everybody told Anton it was great. I don't. Does, I mean, I don't even have comments. Podcasts don't have comments, but you no. Like, but in your heart, really want. If you really want to, also, like we asked last episode, you can comment oh, yeah. in the Instagram post announcement of this episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, so. Regardless. What were we talking about? I the fact that Linda plays referee oh, yeah. between Simon and Sarah. Yep. Like I because I think that I just say that because like she is the softer position yeah. between those two b- between them. I can see that as well. Like I could definitely see because it it is th- there are more moments of Linda reminding things to Simon of how to of how to communicate with Sarah. Yeah. I guess I was just thinking about after Sarah leaves the room. Simon is like, no, yeah. like it really is okay. Like, even though it's not. No, you're like... you're right. Like both of these things can be true. Yeah. I think. Like, oh, absolutely. I think in terms of their pos- in terms of like 
who they are as people. I think a lot of the times in their like in their interactions, mm-hmm. Linda helps facilitate communication between Simon and Sarah. Yeah. But I think Simon is the only one of all three of them who has given himself that protective role. I'd agree with though, that. To the extent that he the extent that he has. Yeah, hundred percent. He's protective of both of them, mm-hmm. as we've mentioned. And Linda's a good mom. I don't want to like take away from that. From no, what we see in the I, first did, I know there are people who really who really want to rag on her, and I hate that for yeah. reasons that we will get into eventually. Like, like we can't. I can't take like Linda is a good mom. Yeah. The way that Simon is protective of Linda comes down to she knows how much Linda cares about giving them a good life. Mm-hmm. Wants to know that she is, and he wants her to know. That she is doing the right thing, mm-hmm. saying to the Halerska, regardless if he believes it or not. Yep. And I feel like you can read all of that in their interaction at the in after Sarah leaves. Yeah. Like fully agree. It's so heartbreaking to me. Like, yeah. It's the, like we talked about it last time, but I like it, there, our talk last time really contextualized for me. That is the moment that we see that Simon is not just a person who speaks his mind. Period. He's a person who speaks his mind. Who chooses to lie and hold his tongue? Yeah, when it is for this one person. Yeah, and that shows how much he like genuinely, genuinely cares about his mother. Yeah, and like he, and like I think we can argue all the live long day about whether or not he was right to do that. Um, but it's the choice he made. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's really what's more more at more at, more at issue here, mm-hmm. like. If we evaluated every choice these characters make and would, that we don't agree with it, like, we'd be here for forever. But, like, but I think that it's hard for me to see Simon doing anything differently. Which is always my, like, the thing I come down to about whether or not I agree with the choice or not. It doesn't yeah. matter whether I would do it. It no. matters that did it make emotional sense at the time. Was it genuine for the character? Exactly, which is why in real life and in fictional shows, I often come down to a pl- choose to come to a place of empathy and understanding why a character did what they did, mm-hmm. and not caring about what they should have done. Yeah, and because again, we don't Logic. know what happened prior to the show starting. We don't get any no. sort of flashback. We don't. We don't have any context besides starting at timestamp zero zero zero. So mm. you know, we don't know what their past was like with Mika. We can kind of infer based on how no contact they are, but we don't know. So yeah. this could be the best option that at least Simon can see is trying to be yeah. like trying to look out for his mom's feelings in this way. Okay. Do you have anything about to say about um, Simon about Linda and Sarah um, before we move on to um, Simon and Mika? Um, nothing that we haven't already talked about, really. Cool. Oh dang! I have I have a detail. Yeah, go. Cool. Uh, she's concerned about Sarah because of her past bullying. Yeah, Linda is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. What do you make of the choice to not to 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 gender the to gender the concept of friends and saying she asks how the girls at Halerska are and then and then Sarah has to remind her that there are boys there too 
I kind of take that as that she was bullied by girls at Maryburg. That could be. I. There's also a sapphic rating of it that we won't get into. Um. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like it's kind of a weird detailed question, but. No, you know, but I think it's valid. Podcast for um, I think it could be that she was bullied by girls. My like immediate response when I watch that scene is like, you know, the old idea where like, if you're attracted to that gender, you can't be friends with that gender. Yeah. That's sort of what I thought. And I would imagine when, if si- when if Simon is younger than Sarah and Simon has come out, that those conversations have been had. Yeah. At least I would hope they would they they have been. Like I think we don't. Co- I guess to be fair, we don't have Sarah's sexuality confirmed. Confirmed, but especially as of this episode. But like the only sexuality that get that is confirmed. Confirmed is Simon's. Period. So yeah, I was just wondering if there was any anything else at play other than like she was probably bullied by girls. Um, but it could also just be like a yeah, a gen just a, a, a gendered a gendered thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't know. I think there's there's ways you could read into that, but like we're splitting hairs at that point, and it just gets into really really strong conjecture that we don't have enough data to really say anything more on that. Yeah. Um, Simon and Mika. Oof. So we dragged him through the mud last episode. Yeah. That was last episode, right? Yeah, last episode. I think we basically kind of had this conversation early yeah. last episode. But we got to decide if there's anything more that we want to talk about. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to watch, to like listen to last episode. Um, yeah, you're good. Um, so basically, we just talked about like, all of the reasons why, like Mika being at Mika being an alcoholic and an addict, uh, means like why we why we don't like why we <laughs> don't like him in that scene, mm-hmm. and then also the moments where we can at least understand and at least pity him yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And so, what I want to talk about in the context of Simon, because we really focus on like who we saw Mika as, as a character. Mm-hmm. Mika is the reason that Simon will do. Whatever someone else wants, or say what they want to hear to get them to love him. You're or right. Is that a too strong way of putting it? No, that hurt. That got me right in the heart. But I think you're right because it's very clearly not Linda. Yeah. You know, like I. We get one like, one scene of Linda, but it yeah. very clearly is not. And I think, I, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm almost tearing up. At the fact that Simon's two ways of interacting with people he cares about are protection and being a pushover. Yeah. Yeah, they are. It's okay, I'll talk. Um, I would fully agree with that. I think... And you get so much of how you interact with people from because your first relationships are your immediate family and that's how you learn how to have a relationship um and those are like obviously your very formative years you're growing up and 
we know Meg is an addict. We don't know how he treated the kids. However, a form of abuse is almost a guarantee when there is an addict yeah. involved. And I know, I just want to quick address, I think we, we said it, we, we covered it really quickly in one of our episodes. I think it might have been the Revolution episode um, uh, where we kind of, for a second, took it as a given that Simon was physically abused. We don't know that. Right. I think... I think it was I think it was potentially you who kind of like noted his stiffness in the hug mm-hmm. um and kind of wondered if that was a sign. But I think regardless, I think Simon I like I think it's hard to it's still hard to hard to tell. Yeah, and unless we had some sort of like flashback or like he tells somebody right. talks about it in some way, I don't know that we'll ever know for sure. But Yeah. Regardless of whether it's physical or emotional or verbal, some form of abuse is almost a guarantee when there's an addict involved. Yeah. I mean, there's emotional abuse is well-established. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I kind of just want to say to kind of tie this conversation on a, this conversation about Mika on a bow mm-hmm. is that Simon's situation with taking care of his mother has forced him to let his dad back into his life. Yeah. And he's taken that L for his mom. He's taken that L for his mom. And he... He thought about it, but... Did he really? Like, because he just said that, and now it's like, oh shit, now I have to... Yeah. So I guess that ends... Simon's, like, relationship with his parents. To close up the episode... Mika's relationship with Sarah and Linda, we don't see it. No, we don't. But like, I, what what I want to speak to, and this is my take on it. I'll just read read all of everything I've written. Mm-hmm. They are that those two are traumatized by Mika, but they have found the ability to move on the best they can, and they do not have to think about him anymore. Mm-hmm. And Simon is no longer in that boat. Yep. He was, and now he's not. Yep. And so, like, I don't know if there's much I can say right now with the information we have, like, what their relationship was with Mika. Mm-hmm. But I think we, from his scene with Simon, and the fact that they have not seen, not mentioned him at all, is a sign that they are at least doing their best to just move on yeah and i think it's pretty clear that mika does not respect that like he doesn't understand because when he's with simon he keeps asking about i think he asked like two or three times how like how's sarah and your mom and if he respected why they can't like why they don't interact with him anymore why they're no contact he wouldn't ask at least that's my take on it yeah I mean, they've, yeah, they de- they've definitely had no contact. Like, yeah. the fact that he is desperate for information about them. Yeah. They're no contact, yeah. and I don't think Mika respects that. He's not, he's obviously not actively seeking them out, but just in yeah. asking Simon. I, I want to give him some benefit of the doubt saying that he understands it, but he doesn't like it. Yeah. Which I think for someone in, potentially for someone in his, in his mental state is... Like, two steps away from stopping accepting it. 
I can get behind that. I think I just try not to give him the benefit of the doubt. That's yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but like, um, just like the way he asks, like, how are how are mom and Sarah? Yeah. Simon gave him a chance. Yeah. An, an opportunity, and I think we don't see what Mika was like when Simon wasn't around and before he'd gotten that opportunity. Yeah. And I think before Simon shows up, he is far more... We don't see Mika's face before Simon. he opens the door to Simon. Correct. Which is something that... I, well, or he might kind of see it. I can't exactly remember. Like, he may be, like, walking to the door. But, like, it's not enough for us really... For me, at least, to really place his mental state. Yeah. beforehand just based on his apartment i would go out on a limb and say he might be on a bender and or a depression hole or that which for an addict they don't they're not always one and the same but for an active addict they tend to come in pairs yeah um well if that's all we have to say about Mika, <laughs> fun fact guys during the course of this episode we realize we can't do this in one part because <laughs> We are maybe halfway through our notes. And we are an hour so, and a half into recording. Welcome to the end of part one. <laughs> I mean, you will you will know this because it will say 5A <laughs> and uh, Love of Mong Royals part one. Uh, but hey, it's the great thing about live podcasting, y'all. <laughs> I really thought we were going to be able to get through this. <laughs> Sorry to end on such a bummer uh, talking about Mika. I was actually going to try to find a way to not end an episode talking about that. But here we are. You know, here we are. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, hopefully these parts will be edited close to each other. So you don't have to wait as long as you would to get a normal episode, a nor- normal, normal, normal episode um, for the next part. Um, but no stay problems. tuned for part two <laughs> yes stay tuned for part two where we talk about everybody else everybody else starting with uh i just realized uh we ended in a place where we can't smoothly connect to the next episode so uh market market as host gets to choose where we start next oh fuck starting with um somebody Whose relationship is not with Simon? Because we covered all those. I don't know who we're starting with yet. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you'd like to keep up to date with when we release new episodes and other pod-related announcements, you can check out our Instagram at People Don't Talk About. Our next episode will be the second part of this episode type. So with that, all that's left to say is... Let's, Let's start, start a revolution, revolution baby! baby.